You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Good morning, Church Online. Thanks for tuning in. And we just want to know where you are tuning in from. So just let us know somewhere in the chat um, where you are watching from and someone behind that computer can respond with you. If you have a request, please submit them, send them in, and we will cover them in agreement to prayer on our Tuesday prayer service. So, Church, we have just a few announcements for you today. We've been announcing one of our out. Uh, our outreaches, and it's also serving as a fundraiser to cover the expenses and to cover all the items necessary that we will be taking to Cuba this summer with our ladies. Um, and if we can find the flyer, we also have the flyer on our Facebook page and our social media pages, but it's right around the corner. It is next Sunday. When is it? Next Sunday. You guys do not want to miss this. And this is open for everyone, not just ladies. So ladies, bring your husbands. You can bring your kids. Um, We are uh, pre-selling tickets right now at the moment. They are $20 for uh, four cards. So every person who wants to attend to play, it is just $20 to enter. We will have concessions available also, so so bring extra cash. We will have specials or bonuses. I'm not sure what the term is, but we'll have those also. Um, And there's lots and lots and lots of fun prizes, so something that everybody would want to win. We have TVs. We have barbecue pits. We have fireplaces. We have... um, Uh, local gifts from local businesses also and we also have visa cards ranging from $25 up to $500 so $20 gets you in you get to have fun spend time with your family and win prizes and you get to eat too with all our concessions so please plant a seed here plant a seed this is going for a great great cause it's for our missions and all of this is possible whenever you guys participate plant the seeds and become the hands and feet of God so we just thank you ahead of time for participating youth you guys will be collecting today uh, after the testimony and um, we are I forgot to announce this we are still lacking a couple of things for the concessions for the ladies ministry and we will have our ladies ministry heads Araceli and Miriam at the welcome center please stop by take a look at the list and see where you can fill in any gaps that we have so please stop by they will be standing at the welcome center Um, so at this time, I would like to welcome up Miss Miriam Perez. She will be sharing her testimony with us. So let's give her a hand clap and applause and welcome her. Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, it is a good day, right? It's a good morning. To be in the house of God, to make a decision, to be in the house of God. And uh, this morning, I just want to share some of part of my life with you. And... Uh, what I want to say is, you know, I was thinking about this, uh, that how sometimes uh, we make a decision based on what we hear. Because we're always hearing things from people, from the media, and so forth, and how that can 
in a moment can change your opinion about something or what you believe <clears throat> based on what someone said. And I just want to thank God that when I heard the word of God preach, like we have in this church, it changed my life. I made a decision to agree with God. I grew up in church. I knew a lot of scripture throughout my childhood. Uh, one thing we learned as Baptists is scripture. And I knew a lot about it, you know. But I was missing something. I was missing a revelation of grace. And the Spirit of God took me from the printed word that I knew to the living word that changes things. And I heard this first from Pastor and, and Monica uh, many years ago. And uh, they were the ones that came and, and shared that word with us. And even though I didn't quite understand at the time what Pastor was preaching on, you know, because I had a lot of religious uh, thinkings and ideas and so forth. But what I, when I heard what he was preaching, you know, uh, I knew in my heart that it was true. Even though my mind was like, you know, going off, like what's, you know, I never heard this, you know, but the word that I heard, you know, was the beginning of a journey. And it started the process of, uh, I wanted to know more of what God had for me and, uh, and how this, uh, the, the spirit of God, you know, started to open up this uh, revelation of grace and how it just been getting bigger and bigger. And I thank God that, you know, and one of the things that I learned from them was in the beginning was that I needed to renew my mind to the word of God because uh, I already had my habits. And yes, um, it took time. It didn't happen overnight, but it's an ongoing process. You know, we're learning today, you know, to we're moving from to a higher place. And, uh, and that has been uh, where I, why I'm still here. I'm still here because uh, you go to the word of God, you spend time with God, and then you sit down under anointed preaching, and God reveals other things to you that make connections. And that just gets getting bigger, and you see just how wonderful God is. How uh, I don't have to today, you know. Back then, there were times when I was depending on their faith to carry me through because I needed a miracle. Today, I don't call them with the same issues, praise God, you know. <clears throat> but thank God that, you know, they've been in my life, they've been a part of my life in this church. I'm grateful to God that we have this kind of church with this kind of work that we can continue to grow in it. And I thank you and thank God for my family here, you know, all of you. Because even though sometimes we don't really know each other and all that, but it blesses my heart to see that, you know, we are a family, we have a family, and that we're moving to greater things. And I just want to thank God for that and uh, for each one of you. Amen. Thank you so much, Miss Miriam.
You know, we still have some slots available to give testimonies, and this is where I want to encourage you. You know, we build our faith and the faith of others by sharing testimonies, by the word of our testimony, and how God moves in our lives. So I just want to encourage you, if you're part of the church, if you've had a recent testimony, please get with me so that we can fill you in on the gaps so that you can share your testimony, because you never know who you will touch, who you will share the word with, and who will get that seed planted. And we all have our different platforms, so we speak in different ways, and to different people. So I encourage you, please um, get on our testimony list. So at this time, kids, you are dismissed. If you are here for the first time, we have our nursery right here in the hallway foyer up to the age of three. We have jam club right next door from the ages of four to six. Then we have our super kids outside with the colorful, at the colorful building going with Miss Angie from the ages seven to 11. And youth, you guys are dismissed. Youth is all our middle school and up to high school, up to 18. Um, you guys are dismissed. So at this time, let us all go ahead and open up our hearts and get ready to receive the word in a new way, the faith way. I guess everyone's still on spring break. You guys are spread out this morning. (laughs) That's all right. Well, for those of you watching us online, we welcome you for our church family. It's on vacation all over the place. Hopefully you're watching. I want to talk for a couple minutes, then I'll turn this thing kind of like we did last week. Um, That way HH is not under the pressure to, you know, looking at that clock so we still have time to do this. So I want to do it right now. I want to talk a little bit about, open your Bibles real quick to Proverbs 11.25. 25, Proverbs 11:25, in whatever translation or version you have. And I really want to talk to you from my heart for a few minutes. It's really a heart thing. I've been really thinking about it. How do you approach this without, you know, sounding like all the other preachers, <laughs> you know, when they're going to pick up an offering? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. There's a truth that, that gets... <sighs> If I can put it grayed out, it's not really blacked out. It's just kind of grayed out regarding how we live and why we are here. That is, most people know it as truth, but most people kind of sideline it a little bit because, first and foremost, their life has to be priority. Again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that because I believe in the same thing. I, you know, one thing I've in, told my kids over, since they were little now, I'm telling my grandkids, I'm just branding them with it, and I thank God I did it family first. That little phrase, they hear it all the time, they hear it all the time. And I just thank God today that my kids, you know, both of them are in church, my grandkids, and they don't hate me. Glory to God, right? You know, so I'm, I'm excited about that. But, you know, there's a truth, and, and these kids that were raised, my kids were raised around this. They, they saw this firsthand. They, it was, and the truth Um, you know, I just had a recent birthday, 56. I'm not that old. All the, all the young people think that's old as dirt. I know. When I was 20, 56 seemed like way up there. Now it doesn't seem like that, right? Um, but, you know, you, you have a different perspective as you get older. And trust me, those of you that are like in your 30s and 40s, the way you think will change. Let me tell you, right? Now, you guys think you got it all figured out. You think you got it all 
in little compartments. Just wait till you hit about 47, 50-ish. All your little compartments will kind of begin to disintegrate, and you'll have a brand new perspective on life, all right? But here's the thing. There's one way of choosing how to live. And it just seemed like this wasn't a choice I made. Like, I didn't sit down and say, this is how I'm going to live. It came by default. I don't know if it came with my salvation as a simple revelation. I didn't have to get it preached at me. I didn't have to really study it out. I saw my parents live this way. But then as when I came back to God, it, I made a decision. That's what I'm going to live right there. Because the only other, you see, there's two kinds of people in church. Y'all ready? Look around because they're here. It's good to be in a church where you can preach freely. And by the way, Miriam, thank you for your testimony. That blessed me. You know, Miriam's been with us. She was like one of the first people that decided that we had something important to say. <laughs> when she walked in our little house and me down there. I remember many, 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 many years ago. But, you know, I came to this collusion. And when I came to God, listen to me, because i got to give you a little bit. And then, you know, I was broke. You know, I had lost a really good job because of my stupidity. We didn't have a lot going for us. We were on unemployment um, for a very, very short, you know, just a, basically a few months. We were, you know, food stamps. Back then there were actually food stamps. You know, you could, you could actually buy other stuff if you knew how to do it. Anyway, um, <laughs> but that attitude to say, I'm going to try to be this guy. Regardless of how much I have, regardless if I have anything, if I don't have anything to give, I have a voice, right? You can encourage somebody. Because the other, the other people that exist on this planet and in church and in everywhere, in your workplace, in your family, really, I've, this is the 56-year-old conclusion of humanity. I've come up with two classes of people. And it's not my revelation. It's been said many times. But I finally absorbed it where I think it's true. There are givers and there are takers. And that's pretty much it. Society, people, and again, in the church, in your family, in your workplace. There are people that give, and there are people that take. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking as long as you're giving. In other words, it's, it is okay to receive, but if the front end of your life is blessing. If, and this is where Christianity, and this is where the word of faith message, and I'll be the first one to call them all out, because I'm part of it. I won't say names, but the whole money thing and the whole schemes and scams, it's a bunch of witchcraft, a bunch of nonsense, most of it. What the, the, the plays they play to get money, the, the, the schemes, I'm not going to say names, but across the board, there's a lot of that. And it wonders to me, why, why do people believe in this amazing God that, that, that you know, breathes galaxies according to the book of Psalms, but he can't pay your light bill? I'm just saying, you know, I mean... That's why I'm saying Christians, we know this, but we kind of sideline that fact, right? Because the decision to be a blessing does have nothing to do with your monetary condition. Thank you. The decision to be a blessing is a decision that you made because of what God did for you. That's, that's where it starts. It's just like, wow, I, my life was such a shipwreck. My life was going down this hole. God showed up. I owe him everything. And with that attitude, the heart of blessing comes in. That's it. Now, once that heart is, because, listen, now let's finish the Proverbs. It says, those who live to bless others. So that decision, you know, make it, how are you going to live your life? Is your life, are you going to just be a taker? 
Are you going to, you know, even in offering, sometimes we give because we're expecting a return? Again, that's biblical, but that's still the wrong motivation. Y'all with me? I believe in prosperity. I'll preach prosperity until Jesus comes. I, don't, I believe poverty is a curse. I don't believe it. The Bible says poverty is a curse. That's why I believe it. It's not my idea. It says clearly that poverty is a curse. But at the same time, you've got to be careful not to navigate in something. You know, because I have a lot of me moments. How many of you have your me moments? How many of you have so many me moments that you stop talking to yourself for a while because you get so mad at yourself? Like, I'm not talking to you again. Just leave right now. Well, that's kind of one of those me moments I had this week. And I, and I write things down. I, I write things. You know, I don't, I don't, like, journal crazy. I don't because I have really bad handwriting. Then I can't read what I wrote. But I write things. I write things. I write things. And I wrote a little thought. And I don't know if it was God asking me a question. I kind of believe it was because I don't know why I would ever have that thought. And I don't, I don't even know why I'm going to say this because this was actually something I was working on to teach ministers. And this thought came in, and it hit me hard. It says, do you preach things you don't believe? That's pretty serious for a preacher, right? Am I, have I preached things that I don't believe? I'll be honest with you, I probably have. I'll tell you something better. You probably have said things you don't believe. You have probably told people things like truth that you don't actually believe. You said, God will take care of you till it comes time for you to take care of somebody else. All right? They said, just let H.H. preach. I am, I am, I am. But this is the Holy Ghost talking to you through me. Think. Hey, Cammie. Hey, beautiful. I see you hiding over there. So, it, it, so this is one of those places where you really, this is like in your face now, right? Because Jesus, remember Jesus? Yeshua? He said, now, he didn't say it in the Gospels, but he's quoted, and it is in red if you have a Bible that, that's, you know, red-letter Bible. It's in the book of Acts. He says, it is more blessed. I mean, this is the voice of Jesus. Now, Jesus, we don't find that, that line in the Gospels in that context. I mean, it's, there is in there somewhere. But, but in the book of Acts, it's really clear because they quote him, and the King James red-letter Bible will pop out and say, in red, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, when I was broke, I didn't have that revelation. It was the exact opposite. Don't look at me weird. It was more blessed many times in my life and my wife and my kids and trying to raise them in, in just, you know, financially tight situations. It wasn't more blessed to give. It was more blessed to receive. Don't act. You see, I'm saying, you guys are like, oh, ha. Like, you've been there where like, Jesus is more blessed to give. How many of you have been there where like you've sowed so much and you're like, okay, I believe in the 30, 60, and 100? But right now, one-to-one would really be nice. <laughs> right? I mean, just, just, you know, just match me, Lord. You know, we're good. You know, let's go back. You know, I believe for a hundredfold. But, like, you know, just one-to-one, like, this week would be really nice. But here's my point. The struggle of our spirituality, or in other words, not our spirituality, our struggle in our relationship with God, becomes very tense when you deal with these kind of scriptures. Because God is not mad at you if you don't ever give anything. But he is challenging you. To see if you can make a decision on, how, on what kind of people you want to be. And the reason I'm spending a lot of time on this is because as, as weird as America is, I really still believe this is probably one of the best countries to live in. You know, because I've been to a lot of countries. And as bad as situations are and the situation in Ukraine, trust me, I'm on that all week. All these things, we are still in a blessed place. And you have to accept that because if you don't accept that right now, everything, you're, everything will be on through a filter of lack. 
Your news will be, oh my gosh, we better save because look at the economy. Oh my God. You know, and, and again, I'm for saving. I'm for investing. We've done financial teachings here. But here's the key. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. But now here's, the, here's where it ties in. And the one, and I'm thinking it's the same guy. I don't think it's a separate guy. In other words, when you make the decision to say, I will live to be a blessing, regardless of any of my financial circumstances. If I have $2, one's going to be a blessing, and you know, I'll buy Coke with the other one or whatever, right? He says, and the one who pours out his life, pay attention, to pour out blessings. So he's, so he's bringing this, those who live to bless others, okay, I'm going to make that decision. I'm going to live to bless others. Okay, but wait, it's not done. Because that, that idea, that one idea to be a blessing means now you're going to step your whole life into this thing. It's not a thing I'm going to practice every time Pastor talks about Cuba or I'm going to practice it every time Pastor talks about Ukraine or we have a need for the children's church. That's not the t- I'm going to live this way. I'm a, if I run into somebody and the Lord says, buy him a hamburger, I'm buying the hamburger. You know, you make the decision because now it's not just an act of your pocketbook. It's an act of your life. It's a decision of your life. It's like saying, I've made a decision to live this way. You know, and... and those of you that are close to me, and I, I say this very humbly, please, very, very humbly. I'm talk, I was thinking about Marcos. He's, he, this guy has run around with me so many places, so many countries, so many circumstances. But I believe, Marcos, you've seen me live this way. I say that humbly. I'm not, I'm not trying to... I'm talking about the inside people that know me. I, I believe H and Diana and people that are really on the inside loop of how we live. Now, it's, you know, it's, it's not self-serving, I, and it's weird because I do not like to put myself out there this way. But you are the ones that, sh- that would definitely decide if I'm trying to live this way or not. I can't decide that. That's why I said that first statement. Do I preach things that I actually believe or do I teach things that I don't believe? Well, I believe this with every fiber of my being. And because I believe it, I live it. At whatever capacity I can. And then he goes on to say, to fin- let me finish this. To pour out the blessings, and here it comes, will be saturated with favor. You know, Christians shouldn't be looking for the favor of God. There's so many messages on the favor of God, and they're wonderful, but we're not in pursuit of the favor of God. I love what, what Miriam said about grace, you know. It, we're pursu- this, this is the grace. And this attitude is God's attitude. God is blessed, but he chose to become human. He chose to, to, become, to be born in a manger. He chose to become the humblest of the humble and to die a criminal's death. For God so loved the world, come on, say the next word, that he, so, so he is doing this scripture. In other words, he's pouring his life into blessing you. Do you see that? It's not just like, oh, I'm going to give you a favor. I'm going to, you know, here, here, Lord, I'm going to bless you with a hundred bucks. That's not what God's doing. His whole life is involved in making your life, or let me put it this way, in your life having rhythm with his life. And we can make some choices where we get out of rhythm. He still loves us, like that song, right? But the more you are in rhythm with God's nature, that's where the favors are. And you're not looking for favors. Just stuff happens. You know, we, we hear it all the time. I'm sure somebody, who was it? if it's you, I can't remember who told me this week. But I've heard that at least two in the last two weeks that people got an un, un, unexpected raise. They just got a raise out of nowhere. That's called favor. Amen. You pull into Walmart 
And that one parking lot that you want because you don't feel like walking today is open. That's called favor. The one thing you're looking for, you know, last week cost $200. You just happened to walk into Academy and they have clearance sale for 25 That's favor. An accident that was supposed to happen and it didn't happen. That's favor. You know, favor is really just the influence that God has caused in our lives. Now, I need to stop because I need to hand this over to H. But here's my point. This church is a missions-driven church. It's always been. very first thing my wife and I did was missions. You join yourself to a missions, or let me put it this way, a vision of missions. In a few days, we're leaving to Cuba, and whatever we do at that point is done. I put some stuff on Facebook, and, um, you know, you guys can see it. I'm already doing my own little thing, you know. But here's where we're going with this. And, again, this is not the time to pick up an offering. I just want to share this. We have, you know, Cuba... You know, Ukraine is very intense. We've, we finally got all the money. The, the first 500 is already over there. Um, it's in Poland. We got the confirmation, so we're excited. That money's already being used to minister at a very small capacity because we don't, you know, I wish I could have said 5,000. We said 500. But whatever it is, it's helping somebody. But that says, doesn't mean we can forget about our brothers and sisters in Cuba. All your basic needs, they don't have it. And we talked about it, and especially I'm talking to the online audience right now. Listen to me because you guys can be part of this through this. And, and the, the reason I use this scripture is because this is so clear to me, those who live to bless others. You know, we, the reason we're in Cuba, there's no other agenda. There is no other reason that we can be in Cuba. There's nothing we can take out of Cuba. We're dealing with a communist nation. Even the farm that we bought potentially could not be ours at any moment. So the only other reason we could be in Cuba would be to bless somebody. There's, you know, there's no other agenda. I'm not trying to build a church. I'm not trying to teach my doctrine for God's sake. We're just there to help people that don't have toothpaste. We're just here to help people that can't reach into their cabinet to pull out some Tylenol because their head hurts. We're, just, we're there because, you know, a person needs an operation, and I finally ordered some of those from Amazon, and you have to walk in with your own suture set. Are you kidding me? And your own, what do they call them, Tyvex? I mean, you've got to walk with your own mask. And, I mean, basically, like, like H said, you have to walk in with your own ER. Guys, come on, put your head around that. You know, we don't, we don't live there. And we're only going to go for a week, and we're going to stay at a, you know, halfway, half-decent hotel. I'm not going to say it's, you know, five stars by no means. And we'll experience very small experience of what these people experience every single breathing day of their lives. We won't even experience it. We will see it. We will smell it. But we will never experience it. We will never have the full experience of what is lived to live under those conditions. So all I'm asking you guys, I'm asking Marlon, we just got a few days. So this is how it's, we're going to wrap it up. Tuesday, I'll be here for prayer. That's the final, final. Whatever you're going to bring, you bring it Tuesday. We can take, between the team that is going, we can take about 400 pounds. I don't know what the rest of the team is doing. I'm not telling them to do nothing. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm going to take 100 pounds of stuff. Y'all do whatever y'all want to do. But if you're going to bring something, it needs to be in the church by Tuesday. Because that's our final moment. If you're going to donate money, here's the other one. When we send money to Cuba... By the time, because um, legally you can't send money to Cuba. America and Cuba don't have financial nothing. That's why I was, I was even telling the team, if you plan to do financial stuff in, in Cuba, you better download this app because there's no way you're going to log into your bank account from Cuba. No way. Unless you secretly log in, which is called VPN, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, all I'm saying is that is when we send money, by the time that Yoed gets it, he's lost 25% of what we, what we send. So if we send $100, he's get 75 all right, that's just the way it is. Because we send it to a U.S. bank, then his U.S. bank confirms it, and then a guy in Cuba, they transfer it to another account. I mean, it's a, it's a whole 
thing. By the way, we're not breaking the law. Because I know I'm like online. Like you just said, you said no. We don't send money to Cuba. We send money to Florida. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Just in case you're watching, Mr. IRS (laughs) and anybody else is out there. We don't send money to Cuba. We send it to Florida. All right. But they are losing 25%. So any monies we can take cash with us will be 25% more valuable on this trip. Because I even told you, we had to send some money. So it says, don't send me no money. We owe him money. It's weird because he's been putting up some stuff that we sent some money. And then he said, don't send me any more money. You already told me. Bring it with you because the reason that I told you right now. So all I'm saying, online audience, in-house church, everyone's watching. If it's in your heart to donate finances to Cuba, we need the money by Wednesday. All right? That's it. So if you're going to do something, you do it pretty quick. You know, it's an ongoing ministry. Don't misunderstand. You want to, you know, well, I can't do nothing until six months from now. That's fine. Then you can help the ladies' ministry as they go to Cuba, right? But my point is that put your heart in this and really dwell about this because that's who we are. That's who Faithway is. The heart of Faithway has always been a heart of generosity. My wife and I were talking, you know, we went to get our, well, I didn't, but they went to get their morning tacos that we do every Sunday. We're coming up. And it kind of broke my heart a little bit. I saw that the Methodist Church, I had noticed it, but I just hadn't noticed it, like, right, notice it. It's for sale. And it kind of bugs me because I don't, I don't believe churches should be shutting down. You know, we're not competing with churches. I wish there was a church. I don't care what, you, you know, some churches compete with us. We don't compete with anybody. You know, we, you know our, our enemy is Satan, not churches. But, you know, the, the fact that the, the church, and, and I came back, and, and my wife and I, last time, we're driving up, and you go, you know, I said, it's not easy to be able to have a church in this kind of community. And I'm not talking here about a small community. And then she said, yeah, and isn't it amazing what God has done that's taken a small community church and has touched nations? You think about that. You are in a place that I believe, not because of me or anybody else, but because of our, you know, joint personalities and vision and whatever you want it. God has brought us from so many places to a little tiny place in heaven, Bill, that we could change history in different nations. Don't under, ever undermine that. Because that, if you want to see supernatural, that's supernatural. Amen. So that's all I'm going to say. You guys pray about this at the end, of course. I'll take just a few minutes to pick up an offering. Obviously, I didn't want to take 30 minutes at the end. So would you give a big God bless you hand clap to Mr. H.H. Gatsai, Dr. H.H. It's all yours, my friend. Like I said, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to kind of get, uh, get that message um, online. But the, um, the reason why I bring it up is because, like I said last time, um, in the area of prophecy, they're, you know, on purpose, uh, God does not, is not very specific. Well, I shouldn't say that. If 
a lot of times it's like hidden. It's a bit of a mystery. And you'll find several times, even in the scriptures we're looking at today, that talk about, you know, the, the foolish will not understand, but the wise will understand. I, I hope I've, I'm in the wise group. But um, the bottom line is that when you, uh, when you look at these things, you kind of have to put things together. And so uh, I'm going to start off with the same disclaimer I made last time. This is my opinion. Um, and so the reason why I'm going to give you a lot of scripture is because I'm going to be explaining to you why it is that I believe that way. We could bring somebody else that has a completely different viewpoint and they would, you know, um, uh, they would, uh, you know, maybe interpret it a little bit differently. So the reason why I'm starting with this is because I want to tell you, number one, uh, if you believe different than me, it's not a problem. We're still friends. We'll find out later whether one of us was right or whether we were both half and half. Okay? The only decision that you can make that really makes a difference is whether or not you accept Jesus. That's pretty clear. How this is going to happen, like I said, this is my best, this is my best guess, my best opinion. It's not, it's not out from, uh, you know what I mean? I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not strange, at least in the, in the sense of, of doctrine. This is not, I'm not the only person who believes what I'm going to tell you. But bottom line is, like I said, uh, I don't want anybody getting upset if you're like, oh, well, no, I think this is how it's going to happen. You might be right, like I said. Um, and because of that, the scriptures that I'm going to present are things that I want you to see where I got it from. And that way you can judge for yourself whether or not that's the way you believe it or whether I make a good case or whether, you know, you're going to be like, well, you know, he talks a lot, but yeah, I still have my opinion. That's fine. We're still friends. Um, anybody in the family knows that it's, it's possible to disagree with people in your family and still not throw plates at Thanksgiving dinner. All right. So the last time what we talked about was um, what I call the house rules or dispensations. And the reason why that's important is because we kind of have to understand why it is that sometimes God allows certain things to happen and then sometimes he doesn't. You know, it, it's one of those questions that, that like a little kid will ask and it's, even though it's a little kid question, like you might have to talk for an hour and a half to get it across, but like a simple question like, well, why didn't Adam and Eve just repent? That's a lot deeper than it sounds. But the answer is, after a long bit of explanation, dispensations. It wasn't time for that yet. It wasn't possible yet. God had different plans. Um, and so that's kind of what I was teaching. Um, let's go ahead and hit the first slide, please. Okay, so what we talked about was when Jesus came into Jerusalem the, the week before he was crucified, the week before Passover, uh, what we call either Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry or things like that, where, where people were, the, the, the people in Jerusalem were literally expecting him to overthrow the Roman government right then that week. They were on the verge of rebellion. And Jesus begins to teach the disciples about, you know, he says, you see this beautiful temple here. He says, the day is coming when not even one of these stones will be laid on top of the other. And he begins to tell them about the end times. And so, of course, the first thing they ask him is, when shall these things be? And he begins to give them signs of the times. So let's go ahead and start there. Well, whoops, too fast. This is just, uh, I'm just going to review some of this stuff. Let's see if I can get this to work. All right. We'll look at Matthew 24. 
cheaters. All right, so I'm not going to go too deeply into it. But he says, <clears throat> hold on, too high. Can you lower me a little bit? Because I'm going to have to lean down to, uh, to see this. All right. So it says, um, he sat on the Mount of Olives. This is Matthew 24, verse 3. He says, he sat on the Mount of Olives telling the disciples uh, who asked him privately, saying, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceives you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but be not troubled, because all of these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation. If you do a little bit of study in the Greek there, he's not talking about nations like countries. Uh, What he's talking about there, if you look at it in the Greek, it actually says ethnic group will rise against ethnic group. And that is everything from, you know, racism that you keep hearing about right now to sometimes, I mean, you go back years and, and we see, you know, uh, what's the big, you know, one, what's one of the big deals in the Middle East is uh, the two different uh, kinds of Muslims. Uh, there's more than two, but the Shiites and the Sunnis, they go back and forth at it. Those are ethnic groups. If we look at, go back to Rwanda, the, the uh Tutsis and the Hutus, and again, just two different uh, two different clans going at it. Um, even to what we see today, where you know there's racism against you know Hispanic people, Black people, any people. That is definitely something that he's talking about there. Um, he says, "Kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many different places. All of these are the beginnings of sorrows." Okay, so a couple of things to mention is, I mean, if you were paying attention, we've already seen a good bit of of ethnic conflict, a little bit of kingdom going against kingdom the way, I mean, uh, you can read something into there about, you know, different different government systems coming into clashes. That's all of World War II is, you know, basically those types of things. Um, We can look at, you know, pestilences. Anybody remember any recent pestilences? Um, You know, um, all of these things, he's saying that's what you're going to see. But don't worry, he says that's that's not that's not we're not done yet, or that's not you know this is a sign. But he says this is the beginning of sorrows. If you go back and look at that, that's a phrase, and what he's talking about is how we would say that today is he would say those are labor pains. Now, if anybody here's had a baby, I'm not one. Um, Despite what Google says, I can't. But anyway, inside joke. But anyhow, so what happens is that um, just like uh, I'm not sarcastic, the um, the uh, what happens is like labor pains. Um, at first, you know, like you're you're sitting there and having dinner, and then she's like, oh, you know, <laughs> well, and then maybe. Maybe like a couple of hours later, it's like, by the time that baby's ready to come out, you know, she's got both hands on the, on the gurney rail screaming that your parents were never married. That's, you know, that's, <laughs> she didn't do that. She did, I promise. Okay, but it definitely gets, it's, you know, so it begins to come quicker and quicker and stronger and harder to endure 
that's what he's talking about. He says, so these things that are going to happen in these, you know, wars, I mean, there was no real major conflict here on the, on the earth, you know, um, on the scale that we had seen for, what, 80 years? Things were relatively peaceful. Now it just seems like, you know, if you touch my bread, I'm going to launch my nuclear weapon. I mean, like, how did we get from there to here? Labor pains. All right, so this is, this is what we're looking at. And, and he, goes into, he goes into a lot of different things talking about uh, false prophets. He says, and because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. I mean, I know that, that I'm going to be kind of maybe talking over the heads of some of the younger people in the, in the uh, uh, congregation right now. But if you're anywhere near my age, <clears throat> which, no, I'm not 56 yet. But if I'm, but in that, uh, if people are around my age, have you ever heard so much talk about sex and so little understanding of love ever? I mean, you know, um, this is, um, so the love of many shall wax cold. So there's still, there's still love, you know, you'll still hear it, people talk about it. But you look at it and you wonder how they could possibly love each other the way they treat each other. You know, or everything being all transactional. Um, you know, um, he says, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. Now, there's a lot more in here, but I, there's so much to get to. I can promise you as long as we go, I could probably go for four or five more days. I left a lot of stuff out. So I would take a note on these scriptures. Maybe you can go back and read them. You'll, you'll find a lot of good stuff in there. But like I said, we're, we're moving on right now. So next slide, please. All right. So last time I told you that the way we could find out where we were was, was by looking at the prophecy of Daniel. And the prophecy of Daniel is, they call it his 70 weeks uh, prophecy because that's how the Bible was translated. But in the, in the Jewish understanding, a week I mean, we think of a week, the only way we use it is when we talk about seven days. But in, in the Hebrew language, the term week is more like we use the term dozen. It's seven things. doesn't matter what. You could have, you know, a week of hamburgers. doesn't mean you eat for seven days. It means you've got seven burgers. You know, it's just a, it's just a, a number that we use like we use a score for 20. Okay, it's just a number. <clears throat> and so he's talking about 77s. And if you go in there, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk in here, but what I want to what I want to show you is verse 26. It says after 62 sevens, I think that's like 383 or something like that. Uh, weeks of years after 383 or 483 years, it says the Messiah the Messiah, the Prince, will will be seen, and it says that he will be cut off, but not for himself. Now, understand this is the Old Testament; they didn't understand really what that meant. But we understand now, looking back at it, Jesus came into Jerusalem the week before Passover and was cut off. He was crucified, but not even for something he did, but for something, as it turns out, that we did. So he was cut off, but not for himself. 
But he says, if you go back and look at the very beginning, it says, 77s was determined upon your people, he's talking to Daniel, and upon your holy city, so the, the Jewish people and their city, to finish transgression, to make an end of sins, to reconcile iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to set up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Okay? Those are, what he's talking about is the end of uh, what God is doing with this dispensation of law. This is when judgment is going to come for the people who followed the law. Now, the problem is, what we came to find out last week was that the church is not included in that. At this prophecy, um, the angel was speaking directly to Daniel about the Jewish people and their covenant with God, which was under the law. When Jesus came in, he preached to us grace, not law. But that had, to be, that had to be a free offer for the Jewish people to either accept or reject. And so what's happening is this 77s is interrupted by where we are right now, the age of grace, the dispensation of grace where we're allowed to come to God not through the law but through grace. But you can see he talked about 77s. But 69 of those sevens already passed until the day that Jesus showed up. That parenthesis, if you can call it that, is not going to close until Jesus returns for his church. And then we still have one more week left to go to do all those things. To end sin, to reconcile for all iniquity, for, you know, no more vision, no more prophecy, anointing the most holy. Those are things that haven't happened yet. Go ahead and... Uh, and uh, Go to the next. Oh, wait, wait. Back up, please. Um, one other thing is that when he talks about this one last week, if you look down there, if you look down there at 26, they didn't understand it, but we, we can see where he's going. He says, the Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come, so this isn't Messiah. Messiah was cut off. The prince that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. Things will be ruined until the, the very end. And then he talks about, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's that final seven. Okay, so I just kind of wanted to point that out. So what he's saying is, there's another prince that will come, and he's going to be in charge for those last seven years. That's the main point I wanted to make there. Next slide, please. All right, so visually what I just told you is right here. Now, all that's in the prophecy that we just read, but just to make it easy, um, 49 years for them to rebuild Jerusalem, another 434 years of time that had to wait, and then at the very end of that time, Messiah was revealed, but he was cut off. In other words, Jesus was crucified. They just didn't realize that that's what that was talking about in the Old Testament. But that still leaves that one week left to go, that one final seven years. Next slide, please. So, this kind of sets up where we are. That seven years, did you hear that that's what, what church people will call the tribulation? Okay? When bad stuff happens. And we find very easily in the Bible that God, God talks at that point about pouring out his wrath on the earth. Judgment is something. And that judgment will happen in that seven-year period. 
So where we are right now is just before that little parenthesis. That's where we are right now in the beginning of sorrows. Labor pains. Watching the world kind of destroy itself from the inside because, well, lots of reasons. Um, but there's seven, seven years in there. And I'm, uh, this, is a, this is one of the things I'm not going to go into. But right in the, in the middle of that, you can see that in the, in the scripture in Daniel that we, just, that we just went through, that there's a midpoint. Halfway through those seven years, it's what the Bible refers to multiple times. Even Jesus referred to himself as the abomination. That causes desolation. It's like that. <laughs> if I was going to be real loose in my translation, I would say it's the last straw. And what, what that is, we find out later in the Bible, we find out that is when this prince that shall come, that we, you know, in, in our common language, we call him the Antichrist. That's when he sets up a, a, a peace treaty in Israel and brings peace for seven years. But halfway through that seven-year term, um, he walks into the temple and declares himself to be God. And from now on, everybody's going to have to worship him and do what he says because he's not just a political leader. He's not just a president, a prime minister, or wherever he might come from. He's going to set himself up as God. And that, like I said, <laughs> is a no-no as far as God is concerned. And that is the abomination. That's like that's the last straw for God. And that is going to bring about the last three and a half years, which are way worse. And so, again, you hear people refer to that as the great tribulation because the Bible makes a distinction. It's bad for the first three and a half years. It's way worse the last three and a half years. And if you see what's happening here is if you believe what I told you last week, the church is gone. And the Bible talks about the church, and this is where I may disagree with some people. The Bible talks about the church being the restraining force in the world. When somebody asks, where has America gone? Where did America go wrong? First question you should ask is, where was the church? Yep, that's, that's what it is. I mean, the church is the one responsible. He says, all power and authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, therefore you go. I mean, God literally, Jesus literally kept the authority for all of about a couple of hours or at most a couple of days before he turned around and he said, look, all power is given to me. Therefore, you now go and take care of business. What happens wherever you set your foot, that is where, you know, that is what it's supposed to happen according to you. What you allow will happen. What you don't allow won't happen. And that's, you know, that, that's, a, that's a bit of a burden to wear. But nevertheless, it's true. It's what, it, it's what God told us to do. And there's a whole bunch of things I'd love to tell you, but I can't. No time. Moving on. So what happens then is that that point, um, at that point, the Bible's going to talk about it and we'll, and we'll look at it. Jesus calls the church out. And now the people that don't want to hear I mean, you realize right now that literally everything, we're supposed to be tolerant about everything. doesn't matter what you see, what you do, you know, whatever crazy situation you can think of, you know, hey, man, 
You do you. It's only, it's only one problem. The only people that still have to shut up are the Christians. You can believe in anything you want, apparently, except Jesus. You know, that'll get you canceled, thrown off Twitter, you know, put in jail, no more YouTube videos for you. You know, it's getting to the point, and trust me, it's already happening, where depending on your political views, they may not allow you to have a credit card. And that's fine right now because we can still pay in cash for now. But what happens, what happens, I mean, to be honest, one of the things that's happening in Russia, I'm not saying I'm disagreeing with it, but one of the things that happened to Russia was they got cut off from the financial system. So now all the credit card companies, every, if you lived in, in, uh, in Russia and you were a good person and you, know, you have nothing to do with this, it doesn't matter. You're cut off. No credit card for you. No cash app for you, no PayPal, no nothing. And that's going to make life really hard, and that was the point. But what about when they start using it against you? It used to be, oh, it used to be, this used to be hard to preach because people couldn't imagine their own government coming after them. Look at what happened up in Canada. If you weren't paying attention, they were telling people, you can't drive a truck unless you have your COVID passport. And the truckers came in and had, a, and had a protest where they parked their trucks and honked horns. I mean, they didn't even burn any buildings down like we had here last, what was it, last year, year and a half ago? You know, they didn't burn anything down. They just sat there and honked because they wanted to be able to work. And they were told they couldn't. And by the time it was over, they had declared martial law against them and froze all their bank accounts. And right now, right now, Fortunately, well, for me, personal opinion here, the, the government kind of backed up and they were like, okay, you know, we're going to kind of pull back some of the stuff we had on the, on the vaccination mandates. But in the middle of all that, they're resettling all kinds of people from Eastern Europe because of what's happening in Ukraine, and they don't have to be vaccinated. So follow the science. No, I'm not, I'm not going to get political. Okay, next, next slide. All right, so again, more questions. This is Paul talking about the end days, uh, the end times. He says, know, know this also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. See how many of these you can check off as being pretty, pretty common now. Men shall be lovers of themselves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For this sort, for of this sort are they which creep into houses, sometimes over cable. They creep into houses and lead captive silly women, I didn't say it, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never being able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Does that sound like today? Next slide, please. 
And so we talked, oh, actually, I read this to you already, so we can, we can, uh, we can skip over this one. But this is another, another uh, set of scriptures so that kind of lay out where we are. All right? So then let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, chapters 4 and 5. I don't have the scriptures here, but I'm going to read them for you. Because there's a whole lot here. I, I'm going to give it to you for, uh, for homework. Let's see. All right. So if we look at chapter 4, verse 13, it says, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep. He means passed away, those that are dead. He says, for it, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so those which sleep in Jesus shall God bring with him. Okay? So people that have passed on, people that have, that, that, you know, we've lost. The Bible here says Jesus is going to bring them back. Okay? That's the first time I see in the Bible where he talks, where, where that's revealed in terms of, so we've heard of the resurrection. Jesus preached it himself. But he's saying, Paul is saying, he's going to bring those resurrected people back with him. All right? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, which, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So we call that the catching away of the church. Some people use the word rapture. That's not actually found in the Bible, but it means the same thing. And he goes on about things happening like labor pains in the earth. So this, this kind of reminds us of what Jesus was talking about back in Matthew and in Luke. That while these things are happening, Jesus is going to come back for his church. Okay? But notice that he's very specific. He says, we go up, not they come down. Okay? So, and this is where people, again, good people have disagreements. Um, some people say that, that the church gets caught up and then Jesus immediately goes back down. I'm of a different camp that believes that we go with Jesus. And then there's a time period where God deals with those last seven years that did not involve the church. Because if God is pouring out his wrath on the earth, we can go on a little bit after this in, in chapter 5. He talks about how we are not, we are not, um, we, that we are saved from God's wrath. Okay, so, you know, it seems to me it's, again, you just have to decide whether you believe it for yourself or not. But if he's talking about us being caught up and judgment being poured out on the earth, and then at some future date, us coming back to the earth. And that in the middle of those scriptures, he's talking about how God's wrath is not, we are not appointed to partake of God's wrath. We've been forgiven. So because of that, that's why I believe that what the Bible is actually talking about is a period of time where the church leaves. And then that last seven years can pass. And so the reason why I put from the church's, the end times from the church's perspective, because all of the stuff that, that you see in the book of Revelation and that are in the book of Ezekiel and those kinds of things, 
you know, the, the heavy-duty, hard-to-understand prophetic scriptures. Those are good to understand and worth studying if you're interested in that. But you, I don't believe you're going to have to go through that. And I'll explain kind of why that is as we, as we move on. <coughs> Next slide, please. So Paul was teaching that there is no resurrection of the dead. And so uh, Paul said, if we're not resurrected like Jesus was, then we're still dead in our sins. Like, what's the point? You know, so if they're, if they're saying the resurrection doesn't happen, well, then it's not just that Jesus wasn't resurrected. If he wasn't re- resurrected, our sins are still on us. No one paid for them. And so we're going to have to pay for them. And then from there, apparently some people started asking Paul, so what, what are resurrected people going to be like? You know, what, what's going to happen after we're resurrected? Are we going to look like, you know, is it going to be just us back from the dead? Is it going to be, you know, like the walking dead? You know, where we all just kind of mumble and walk real slow? Um, believe it or not, if you go back and look at the original zombie movie, was it Night of the Living Dead? No, no uh, George Romero fans anywhere? Uh, that actually, that, that uh, zombie movie, the very first zombie movie as, as far as I know, actually has that scripture in it like it, as it opens up. Um, but yeah, no. Just in case you were wondering, no, we're not going to be zombies. Um, so let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 35, so 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, it says, And some will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thou fool, maybe you shouldn't ask that question. Thou fool, that which you sow is not quickened except it dies. So what he's saying is, you know, you plant an apple seed, you're not going to get any apples until that seed dies. You've got to plant it in the earth and, 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 and it dies. But on top of that, he goes to talk about how, you know, in your wildest imaginations... You could not look at an apple seed and imagine an apple tree unless you'd already seen one. And what he says is that's what it's like. He says, you're not going to be able to understand what it's like to be a resurrected Christian, what it's like to be a glorified one, just by looking at... I mean, so you look at me right now. Don't, please. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, looking at me, you're, 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 you're looking at... The seed of what God had in mind when he created me. I mean, fortunately, you know, we all have mirrors at home. We can go look and imagine, you know, if we look real hard at the seed, we still can't really imagine an apple tree. You know, I just hope that, uh, you know, my tree's a lot better than my seed. I don't know. But that's what he's talking about, you know. So so it says it's going to be way so much better it's difficult to explain but he says we We turn to verse 50 he says now this i say brethren flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god neither does corruption inherit incorruption he says behold i show you a mystery we will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, 
and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this body that dies and decays, has to be changed for something incorruptible. And when that happens, he says, death is swallowed up in victory. Death wears your sting. Grave wears your victory. And so he's talking about when this happens, we are no longer going to be subject to that, that kind of uh, uh, problem. Uh, we're not going to get sick. We're not going to die. We're not going to break bones or, or get otherwise hurt. But that's just the beginning. Next slide, please. So what we're going to do now is uh, turn to the book of Revelation. <coughs> we're going to turn to the book of Revelation. And we're looking at, first of all, I want to bring your attention to book, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, where it talks about, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this book is supposed to reveal who Jesus is. A lot of people avoid this book because it's like, oh, well, no, it's all hidden. It's all a mystery. But in fact, the Bible itself tells us that this is supposed to be Jesus revealing himself. And so I'm not going to go heavily into that, but the first three chapters of Revelation talk about Jesus' message to the church. But then in chapter 4... At the very beginning, it opens up with the commandment of Jesus to John, the apostle who was writing this down, where he says, come up here. And what I believe is Jesus calling uh, John up into heaven to witness these things was meant to be a type and shadow of the, of the rapture, of the, of the catching away of the church. Because, again, my opinion, I don't believe this was a vision. Nothing in, the, nothing in the book of Revelation after John gets pulled up into heaven sounds like a vision. I believe, again, personal belief, that, um, that when John was transported in the spirit, there's no time. I think he saw what actually happened. I, don't, I mean, there's nothing in there that indicates that God was showing him a picture. I think, you know, because, again, in the spirit, there's no, there's no time. I think he actually saw these things because that's exactly how it's written. And so that would indicate to me that chapter 4 is the rapture, just like, you know, just like we've been talking about in Thessalonians. Next slide, please. So all of these things are written from a heavenly point of view. So everything that Jesus wants the church to know is written not from the point of view of someone on earth experiencing these things, but the point of view of someone in heaven seeing these things happen on the earth. Okay? So I believe when it talks about, in the beginning of chapter 4, it talks about the crystal sea. I believe that's us. I believe that's, that's, a, that's a, a figure of speech about the church. No spot, no blemish, standing around the throne of God. I mean... It doesn't talk about one single person being there other than the 24 elders. And I think even that is a message. So either there's no one in heaven or John is referring to all of these sinless people as the crystal sea. You know, so many that it looked like an ocean. Right? And then the 24 elders, again, personal opinion... I think these are, so in, in, in God's system, like 12 disciples, 12 is like the number of completeness, the number of government. 
But there's that 24 is 12 times 2. Again, personal opinion. I think that's, you know, the, 20, the 12 elders of the Christian group and the 12 elders of the Jewish group that Jesus preached to. Because it says everybody who's believed in Messiah will be raised. And not everybody does. And I'm not meaning to imply that, that Jews who live the way they do now, I don't think, again, personal opinion, that they're going to be part of this like that. But there were a whole bunch of people, Abraham on up, that had faith and believed in Messiah even though they hadn't seen him. And then the Bible says that Jesus actually went to preach to them. I'm assuming them, that some of, them, some of them paid attention. And the Bible does indicate some of that, that, you know, that he led them out of there. Now, so I believe because of God's two covenants with, with man, there's two, two representatives from both groups. And then what happens is, in the view of all the church, Jesus begins to open the seals of judgment. Next slide, please. So, um, it says, let, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, the day of the Lord shall not come, except there be a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of, of perdition. This is that, that prince that will come. This is the Antichrist. So, in other words, the thing that kicks off in Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, how we know we're in the, in the, the last seven years, that tribulation period, is the revelation of the Antichrist. So what I'm going to tell you is, if you know for a fact who the Antichrist is, you done missed the boat. Okay, so we can all say who we think it is, that's fine. But the day that we know for sure, in my opinion, I believe that means the, the, the rapture's already happened. The church has already been caught up. Because the Bible says you're not going to know that until Jesus opens that first seal. Okay? And so that first seal, no, that's fine. You can go ahead and keep going. That first seal then releases the Antichrist. And the Bible says the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. Second seal releases war. The third seal releases famine. And it's funny because I don't think it's famine, but I, I put that because that's what most people, if you hear the four horsemen of the apocalypse, one of them is famine. I, I think that's a bad explanation. Because if you go and you look, he says... You see, famine is when there's not enough, not when it costs too much. Okay? And the, the rider on the, on the horse, the, the, the horseman that comes out, has a scale in his hands. A scale is used to weigh out, you know, if you've ever been to, to an old-fashioned market, that's what they do. They, they would weigh out your, your money for, in exchange for what you wanted. And he says that the, the wheat and the barley were going to be a day's wages. But the oil and the wine wasn't affected. So I don't think this is talking about like there's not enough food. What I think what's happening is that the staples of everyday life, not the fancy stuff, you know, not the, you know, not the oil, not the wine, not, not the stuff that rich people buy, but all the staples of life are going to be too expensive. I did that. No, just kidding. Um, so, so it turns out, I mean, anybody... See any signs of inflation these days? Okay, that is not a that is not a that is not an agricultural problem. That is an economic problem. And the last one is death. Now, 
I'm not going to go into all of these things. It's worth a read. But like I said, what we see this whole time is all these terrible judgments, these judgments begin, that's just the first four. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. And I'm not going to go into any of it. Uh, Things that look like nuclear war, things that look like meteors hitting the earth. Um, uh, Diseases, people melting. I mean, it's uh, Raiders of the Ark type stuff, if you ever saw that movie. Next slide, please. So all those things are happening. God is pouring out his wrath on the earth to have to do an end of the dispensation of law. So if you think you're good enough, if you think you're good enough, this is going to be the punishment that you earn. If you don't understand that you need grace, then this is what you end up with. Next slide, please. So then in Revelation 19, we talk about the wedding supper of the Lamb. And... Like I said, don't get weird about it. Um, I don't think, you know, it may be weird for a guy to think about marrying Jesus, but that's not really what it's talking about. If you look at the way the the wedding, uh, the way a wedding covenant is supposed to be, in other words, earthly marriage is a type and shadow of that, not the other way around. You know, that is when Jesus takes his church and says, look, you're bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. There's nothing that you need that I can't provide then there's nothing that you can do that will ever break this bond. All right? Immediately after that happens, Jesus returns to earth. And again, if you look, it says, bringing all, bringing all of, of uh, his people with him. So again, if you look back at the other scriptures, when Jesus comes, he comes with all his saints. You know, I think it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to go up and then immediately come back down. It, like I said, it makes more sense the way Revelation is written to say that we go up, we watch all these things occurring while stuff is happening in heaven, and then we come back at the end of it to help Jesus with his judgment. So this period follows by the return of Christ to earth and ends all of the rebellion of the Antichrist. It's instant judgment. Next slide, please. And then here we talk about the millennium. That's the the last thousand years, it says. So, you know, Jesus comes back with all of his redeemed, glorified believers. Hopefully that's everybody in this room. And he will return, and Satan will be bound up for a thousand years. And see, there'll be people that came back glorified, and there'll be people who just survived. Just regular people like you and I are now. And they'll go on living a normal physical existence, having children, everything else. And so that will be happening. And that is, I believe, where um, the redeemed people of Christ will help him rule and reign, like the Bible says. We will administer during these thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, Satan is released to gather together everybody who still wants to rebel. So even in the absence of Satan, even with the perfection of Jesus ruling himself. There are some people who are still going to want to do what they want to do. And Satan's going to be released, gathers everybody together, and all he's really doing is just getting people to pick sides because there's no fight. As soon as he gathers everybody together, it's instant judgment, and there's no battle, just instant destruction. Everybody, uh, immediately everything stops, and Jesus begins to judge humanity the non-believers. Last slide, please. 
<clears throat> and then once that's done, there are no more regular people, just people who accepted Jesus, people who are saved, people who were judged righteous, and everybody else is gone. And so, after all that happens, we talk about we talk about a new heaven and a new earth, signifying that time and space, the way we know it now, no longer exists. <clears throat> the current universe that was designed to deal with sin. This is where I could talk a whole lot about um, a whole lot about uh, quantum physics and stuff. But all that to say, um, I believe that this earth is good, the way it was talked about in in uh, Genesis, but I don't think it's perfect. Um, if it was, God would have said it was perfect, and we wouldn't need a new one. I think that once the issue of sin has been dealt with, and we now have a situation where we have people who want to follow the rule of God who cannot break that covenant because it's actually Jesus' covenant with God, not ours, that kind of unchangeable future is what's required for us to go into eternity. You can't start eternity and then change your mind. So it needs to be people who want to be there willingly and forever. And so that said, um, really that's kind of the, the, what I wanted to talk to you about was that, that perspective. There's a lot of things that are happening, a lot of wars and rumors of wars and pestilences and earthquakes and everything else that we talked about. But the bottom line is that ultimately um, what we need to do is realize that we are still in a period of grace and that if we accept Jesus as helping us, paying for our sins, helping us out when we couldn't help ourselves, that puts us in a period of time where, yes, all of these things are happening, and, yes, you're going to see things get worse, and you're going to see it it, getting, uh, you know, faster and faster and more intense. But, again, you shouldn't worry about it as long as you've already accepted Jesus. And that's why I said, rather than go into all this detail about, you know, what exactly is, you know, the, the, the thing called wormwood that strikes the earth and all this other stuff. That's all interesting to talk about, but hopefully we don't have to know about that. Um, that said, um, thanks for, for giving me the opportunity to talk to you guys. Like I said, if you disagree, we'll disagree to disagree. Uh, don't, uh, don't get upset. <laughs> don't leave the church just because you don't like how I think. Like I said, I tried to give you the... the the reasons why I think the way I think. Hopefully I've convinced some of you. If not, like I said, we're still friends. Uh, that said, uh, thank you very much for your attention.